You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to James chapter 3, please? Super exciting. I'm always excited to see new deacons or elders released. And again, let, let me uh, just remind you, because, uh, you know, if we think in any way hierarchically, we think that they're kind of moving toward the top of the ladder. But leadership isn't about hierarchy. It's about saying, follow me as I follow Christ. It's about just taking a step forward and saying, we're following Jesus together. And I want to make a way for others to come with me. Um, in reality, the Bible sort of talks about it as a demotion. Um, so welcome to your demotion. Um, we become servants of all. We're preaching at the moment through the book of James over five weeks. We're up to James chapter 3, so we're right in the middle. We have a couple more weeks to come after this. Um, The book of James is a book about faith and the maturing or the working out of our faith. That's kind of the big theme is about faith. And how do we work that out? How does it mature? How does it grow? Um, It was written by James, the brother of Jesus, sometime around 7 to 12 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the first book, apart from the Gospels and Acts, uh, of the New Testament to be written. So before all of Paul's letters, um, James was written first. Very quick recap before we get into chapter 3. James chapter 1 talks about faith that's mature, and that how we face trials and hardships will either strengthen and mature our faith or hinder our faith. James chapter 2 is about the fruit of our faith, the practical outworking of being with Jesus. The way we live, the way we think, the way we act, the way, um, the way we treat people, how we love Jesus, how we, how we care for other people should be transformed by us being with Jesus. Faith that doesn't bear fruit is dead faith. Challenge. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, you can listen to that those preachers, but let me encourage you to, to read James yourself, to get in there, to ask God to speak to you. So let's read in chapter 3 this morning. We're going to read from verse 1 to 12 to start with. It says, uh, in this context of maturing faith, of, um, of, of our faith-bearing fruit, he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. This, this that verse terrifies me. Like, oh, Lord. Especially for those who stand up and preach. Because, you know, every time uh, I stand up and preach, I'm like, God challenges me. I never stand up here thinking, oh, you know, this is really for, for them and, you know, I've got this all together. Because every time you preach, you're undone during the week. You're undone in the prep going, oh, Lord, how do I, how do I speak this when you're still forming it in me? For, uh, verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able, to, able also to bridle his whole body. Um, remember in, in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, if, any, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religious, religion is worthless. He's sort of referencing this again, the same sort of thought. It says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses, so that, uh, sorry, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, 
wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of, uh, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body. This gets a little bit negative, and I'll, we'll, we'll talk to that in a minute. Um, this is kind of what can happen. Uh, the tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of, uh, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Uh-oh. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who, have been, who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth... From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? It's referencing the chapter before about the fruitfulness of our faith. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is a flow-on from this idea that our faith or our focus on Jesus, our being with him in his presence, has to produce fruitfulness. There's something, our lives have to look different when we've been with him. And if they don't, then, then, then the, 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 the reality might be that we either have a faith issue or an identity issue. That's what we looked at last week. So how do we judge where our intimacy with Jesus is at? How do we judge where the maturity of our faith is at? Well, we judge it through, we saw in chapter 1, how we deal with suffering. Where we go, what we turn to in times of suffering. We judge it through how we deal with, chapter 1 also says, money. Whether we have a lot or we have none. Because it tempts us to look at the world and not at Jesus. So we judge the maturity or the strength of our faith through how we deal with suffering, how we deal with money, through how we look at people, we saw last week, and then today, James says, through what comes out of our mouths. Ooh. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now remember, James is Jesus' brother, and James writes almost exactly the same thing. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. He could have said, out of the overflow of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, what's in us is what comes out. What we speak or what comes out of our hearts is an indication or a measure or a sign of what's in our hearts. What comes out of our mouths is an indication of what's in our hearts. How we speak about people. How we speak about Jesus. How we joke. How we react in tense situations. How we react when somebody cuts us off. How we react when we don't get our way. How we react when we're having a fight. Do you want me to stop? I find it interesting that in verse 8, James says, no human being can tame the tongue. I was like, oh, no. 
You might be tempted to think, well, it's useless then. What's, what's the point? What hope do I have? But remember, we're talking about in the context of faith, being fixated and focused on Jesus, walking in intimacy with him and in his presence, having faith that endures. That's the context that we find this part of James in. What he's saying is this. It's impossible to tame the tongue without the transforming power of the Spirit. It's in the context of mature faith that the fruit of the Spirit is being formed in our lives. So he's saying, well, who can do this? Nobody can. You can't without the transforming power of the Spirit, without, the, without intimacy with Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit being formed in our lives. Again, faith is an intimacy issue. We can't tame the tongue by sheer effort of human will. We can't tame the tongue by just going, I'm just not, I, I'm not going to do it. I, you know, I'm not going to think about saying those things. I'm not going to think about saying those things. And all you end up doing is thinking about saying those things. The only way we change what comes out of our mouth is by filling our hearts with the presence of God and being near to Jesus. Actually, what we, the only way we change what comes out of our mouth is to change what we fill our hearts with what we're meditating on, what we're filling our lives with. Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 38 to 39, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in Jesus, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this he said about the Spirit. For those who believe in him, uh, for whom those who believe in him were to receive for as yet the Spirit had not been given but Jesus, uh, because Jesus was not glorified. He's saying, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Who, what's he talking about? He's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the presence of God, we're filled with the Spirit, then it transforms what's in our heart. And His Spirit causes, uh, causes rivers of living water to come out of us. I, uh, when I was studying, I... I was working like at a surf shop and didn't make any money, and I needed, needed a job that paid more, so I became a brickies laborer. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have spent uh, time on a building site with bricklayers. It's just not the best conversation that usually goes on. It's a, it can be a little rough. I, I was fascinated that all the guys I worked with could stop swearing when kids came on site or their wives. But, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's a rough environment. And I realized after a couple of years of being on site that what was coming out of my mouth wasn't reflective of what I thought was in my heart. You see what I said there? Because actually, what comes out of our mouth shows us what's in our heart. I had been, it had become normal to me. I'd been filling myself and with, with stuff that wasn't helpful. And, I, you know, I was following Jesus and I was in church and, you know, but it just, the two things didn't line up. And so I had this revelation. I, was, I think it was probably uh, at some point in prayer or worshiping and just went, this isn't, what, this isn't the way I want to communicate. This isn't what I want to be coming out of my mouth. I'm recognizing something. I'm recognizing a fruit that I don't want. So Lord, help me deal with the root issue. So I went to the Lord in prayer and I spent time with him and, and in worship. And you know, I was worshiping him and, and I said, God, you know, why is this? Why is this happening? And it's a simple thing. I mean, you know, I was a young guy, and, and I felt like he, he showed me just some of the music that I've been listening to. It just was, you know, I, I didn't think much of it. But I, just, I was filling my heart with rubbish. 
And what was coming out was what was, I was filling my heart with. And I had become, you know, we become almost immune. Like, it's not that bad. And we make excuse. And it doesn't really, it's a really simple example. Because there's so much more in this. But the reality is that what we fill our heart with and what we accept and what we become comfortable with is what comes out. What comes out of our mouths is an indicator or a measure of what's in our heart. And so if you recognize an indicator or a measure that you go, oh, that's not, that's not the fruit I want to see, then take a couple steps back and go, well, what am I filling my heart with? What am I listening to? What am I laughing at? You know, the Lord challenged me, um, I don't know, maybe six months ago. I followed a bunch of, like, Christian meme accounts. They were quite funny. But you know what God challenged me with? Was that most of them were funny, and every now and then, they were actually really negative toward what God was doing or other churches. And I got challenged, and I was like, what am I filling my heart with? Because we want to honor other believers. And even if they do things that are different to us, we want to still honor them and champion them. And if I'm spending all my time laughing at them and going, oh, look at how silly they look, how, that's not honoring. And so I had to go through my, my social medias and just unfollow a whole lot of stuff. And that's when, you know what? I don't need that. I don't need to be filling my heart with that. Again, a really simple and like kind of silly example. But those are some of the realities for us if we're going to change. Because, see, we can talk about stuff and be like, be blessed and be good and go home and we just go on and live our lives. But, like, what are the nitty-gritty realities of the choices that we make? What are we filling our heart with? Because it's going to come out. There's also a power in what we speak. We have the power to build up or the power to tear down. We've been given authority. James says that we can set a whole forest on fire. Think about that for a little while. He's talking about a bit in the negative thing, and I think he's just making the point that without being full of the Spirit, we can't change it ourselves. In a bad way or in a good way, what comes out of our mouth can set a whole forest on fire. We can set a forest on fire for destruction, tear people down, speak poorly about them, or we can actually be the burning ones that set people on fire for the Lord that talk about the kingdom, that talk about the testimonies of what God's doing, that stir other people's faith. James says it can change the entire course of life. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Please go read all of Proverbs 18 this week because I don't have time to read it this morning, but it's actually amazing. Um, Just so much wisdom in there. There's so much that, you know, in actually just even that chapter, but in all of Proverbs, it speaks a lot about words. Um, and, you know, th- th- there's, there's life and death. And something that I realize, I think, uh, having kids, you realize, um, even just speaking to young kids, the power of your words. Because the older we get, because we've been hurt and we've been let down and we've, you know, people have said stuff that's unkind, we learn to put up walls and masks. Someone says something cutting or hurtful, and we kind of go, and we smile, and we're polite. But when you say something to a little kid, and you realize you're speaking negativity over them, you see the eyes well up, and you go, oh. You realize that when you speak life to them, and you encourage them, they come alive. How do we speak to our kids? How do we speak to ourselves? 
How do we speak to others? Because, you know, we can speak life and death over ourselves. It actually starts with us. I think it's one of the biggest challenges for believing believers, for faith-filled believers, to change the way we speak over ourselves. This is not, this is not I'm not talking about like, like self-help. I'm talking about declaring the, the, the truth of who God says we are, not the lies of the enemy. I am a son of the living God, even when I don't feel like it. I am loved. I am chosen. I am anointed. I do have the Spirit of God with me. I, you know, like, we, do we speak life or do we say things like, you know, I'll never be enough. I'm broken. I'm traumatized. I'm less than. I'll never amount to anything. There's power in the words that we speak. Are we speaking identity in Jesus? Are we speaking the promises of God? Are we speaking faith over ourselves and over others? Are we calling out the gold and the, the prophetic potential in others? Or are we cursing ourselves? I'll never be good enough. God could never do that in my life. He can do it for other people, but not for me. I can't be free. Be careful what you come into agreement with. Be careful what you speak. Be careful what you speak over yourself. Be careful what you speak over your kids and others around you, because it has the power to bring life and death. It has the power to change the entire course of a life. I would rather err on the side of speaking uh, overly positive and encouraging to my kids than negative. I'd rather say you can be anything that you want to be. Now, is the reality that they can be anything that they want to be? No. But I'd rather they believe that they can be anything and I call them into their potential to be like, you'll never do that. You'll never be able to do that. Who am I to say that you can or can't be the future prime minister of Australia, that you can or can't be, uh, you know, uh, an evangelist that sees the multitude saved, that you can or can't be a sports person, or that you can or can't be a business person. Who am I to say that over them? I'd rather say, you know what? You can do anything that you want to be. You, you go after that. You pursue it with Jesus. Put the kingdom first, do what he's called you to, and God will make a way. I'd rather call out the potential than be like, nah, you'll never do that. Because you know what they're going to they're gonna believe and what's going to become of them if I keep saying that? They're never going to do it. How do we deal with this? What, what, do we, what do we do if we recognize that what comes out of our mouth isn't great, the overflow of our heart? Or that we're speaking over ourselves or, or what we're speaking over others isn't building them up? Um, how do we continue to grow sort of um, positively and become more like Christ in what com comes out of our, our mouth? Because I think this is a super important thing, especially in our culture. You know, like encouragement is not our natural course. If we're honest, like we naturally tend toward discouragement. We naturally tend toward, you could be better. How was your day? Not bad. I mean, your day was probably like, yeah, our day was good, you know. But I don't say, no, nah, I had a good day. Not bad. Could have been better. I mean, obviously it could have been better, but like we lean toward the negative. What's going on? Not much. In our culture, encouragement 
speaking well of each other, speaking life over each other is not our natural uh, persuasion. Instinct, default, thank you. It's my thesaurus in the front row. We've already seen that it's through the transforming power of the Spirit. So, so what do we do? It's through being filled with the Spirit. We've, we've seen that already. It starts through faith. and It's a faith and intimacy issue. I mean, it's like every week is the same thing because we're reading out of the same book. So if you don't get this by the end of week five, we're just going to go back to the start of James and just go again. It's a faith and intimacy issue. It's about being close to Jesus. It's about being full of his spirit. But then James, James writes this. Let's read from, from verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. If you have a paper Bible, circle the word wisdom. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Oof. Thanks, James. Heard us. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What do we do if we recognize the fruit of our mouths is not what we want it to be? Well, firstly, come to Jesus. Spend time with him. Sit at his feet. Be filled with his spirit again. Ask him to fill you with his spirit. So rivers of living water flow out. And then ask God for wisdom. Ask him what to do. This is actually kind of like the answer to most Questions in the kingdom? Ask God what to do. Because actually the answer to every decision and everything that we face is found in his word. Wisdom is defined as this. The quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. But as James says, we can look to ourselves for wisdom or to the world for wisdom or to the Lord for wisdom. Proverbs defines wisdom as being able to look down the path of life or down the road of life and see the results or the consequences of our actions. And then not just to see it and go, well, that's too bad, but to make decisions now accordingly. I look down the path of life and I go, oh, the way I'm heading, that's not where I want to end up. But if I do nothing about it, I'm going to end up there. If I get on the freeway and, and, and I drive through Melbourne and I suddenly realize I'm on the Great Western Highway and the sign says, in 800 kilometers, you're going to be in Adelaide. I might go, oh, man, I didn't want to go to Adelaide. I was trying to go to Sydney. But unless I change direction, I'm still going to end up in Adelaide. If you just keep driving, and then who, who's to blame when I get to Adelaide? But like, dang it, the stupid car took me to the wrong place. No, no. So wisdom is looking down the road, seeing the result of our action, going, that's not where I want to be in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, the end of my life. That's not where I want my relationships to be. That's not where I want my family to be. So God, would you show me what I can change and adjust now so that I'll be closer to you? Like, that place isn't as close to Jesus as I'd like to be. It's not bearing the fruit that I want to see. So what do I adjust? There's wisdom, though, that's from the world. 
So when we come back to this place, and I go, oh, man, the fruit of my life. So what's coming out of my mouth isn't what I want it to be. And I go, if I keep going this way and I look down the, 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 the track, I'm going to see kids that are insecure. I'm going to have broken relationships. I'm not going to be as fruitful in the kingdom. So I, that's not what I want. So I don't just keep going that way. I come back and I go, well, how do I change? Because the Bible says I can't just do this on my own. So I say, Lord, help me. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, deal with the, 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 the uncleanliness. Deal with the stuff in my life. But also I say, okay, is there specific things? We go, well, the music you're listening to doesn't help. The people that are in your life, I mean, you might not be able to get away from your colleagues, but you can ask them, hey, can we take it easy on all the stuff? Spend time with the Lord. I adjust where that's at. I ask him for wisdom. I ask those that he's placed around me who are full of his spirit for wisdom. But many of us go and we ask the world for wisdom. What do I do first? I Google. I look at TikTok or Instagram. I do all the stuff and I go, oh, look at that. I ask my unsaved friends. I mean, they'll tell you, they'll tell you their perspective. But I guarantee it's not going to be kingdom perspective. Sometimes it might, be, it might be good input, but it's not going to be kingdom input. And if we want the fruit of our lives to be the fruit of being filled with the Spirit and becoming more like Jesus, then we need to ask people who are filled with the Spirit and becoming more like Jesus for their wisdom. We need to ask him for his wisdom. James says that there's a wisdom from the world, and it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. The result of making decisions based on that wisdom, is, he says, is disorder and vile practices. I, I think without trying to be too dramatic or scare you, that actually we can open doors to the demonic in our life when we, when we, when we make decisions based on worldly wisdom. And then we spend all our time trying to undo the fruit of those decisions rather than coming back and going, actually, there are some decisions made based on the wrong foundation that we need to undo. And God's faithful and gracious to empower us to see that those changes made. But unless we come back and go, wow, I actually have set my life up based on worldly wisdom. And I've opened some doors to some influence in my life that actually I don't like the fruit of that. It's taking me away from Jesus rather than toward him. If we don't come to that place and realize that, then we just keep going around the same mountain. We keep picking the fruit off the tree and never seeing different fruit. Wisdom that's from the Lord says is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason. There's a good test right there. If you're not open to reason, maybe we, que- we, we have to ask the question, is this wisdom from the Lord? Open to reason. Where am I reading? Full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Remember last week we looked at the fruits of the Spirit? For those of you that were here, I'll, re- I'll refresh you if you don't remember or you weren't here. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23 says, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self- self-control. The fruit of wi- wisdom from the Lord, pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial. They sound really similar, don't they? The fruit of the Spirit And the result of wisdom are very similar. Why? Because the result of wisdom is the result of being full of the Spirit. That fruit is the same. It starts with that, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Holy Spirit, show me 
what, what things in my life are unpleasing to you. Show me what things in my life are causing fr- the, the fruit of my life to not glorify Jesus. And God's faithful. Not, it's not in a condemning like you're not good enough because that's the lie of the enemy because the Bible says that you're accepted and you're beloved in Christ. But he's faithful to show because he wants us to become more like him. If the wisdom you're basing your decisions on isn't pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere, if it doesn't result in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, being evident in our lives, then can I suggest that it might be worldly wisdom or even deception that we're basing our decisions upon? Because James says, be doers of the word, we're going to see, not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'm looking forward to that week. Deceiving yourselves. Don't blame God. When you get to the point down the road and you look at the fruit and you go, I don't like the fruit here. God, you've let me down. You must not be real. You're not faithful. We question his character and nature. Don't blame God when it's the fruit of your own deception. You're right this morning. Are you guys, are you okay? Does it make sense? Like, because often, if I can be honest, uh, the, the, a lot of the coffees and a lot of the fruit and the time we spend in sort of pastoral ministry is here with people who are upset with God. They don't trust his character and nature anymore. They say, he's let me down, but actually they've deceived themselves back here. And unless we're willing to let the Holy Spirit come and shed light on where, where, where what happened here, we just go around the same mountain and the same mountain and the same mountain again. So ask God for wisdom. Ask God to show you bad influences, things that you need to remove or change. Then ask him to fill you. Ask him for wisdom and how to live. Ask him for insight. God, is there things, things that I can change? Ask him to give you supernatural insight. Ask him to give you ability to see down the road and to make the changes and adjustments now. God, what, what's the result of these actions? Help me see. Show me your wisdom. You know that Solomon, when, he, when God said you can ask for anything, he could have asked for all the riches in the world. He could have asked for anything from God. And he said, God, give me wisdom. I think we should learn from that. Read Proverbs. See what he says about wisdom. There's a guy, uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. I'll show you one example with you. Uh, I won't read the scripture because it's, it's not for the time. But So Rehoboam takes over from Solomon. He's going to be the king, and he's a young guy. Um, and the, the, the wise counsel of the older men around him. Now, this isn't about age, but this is about listening to wise counsel. Of the older men around him, they say, lighten the load on the people. Make it easier for them. Then they'll, they'll follow you. They'll, be, they'll, be, they, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll like you. Um, it'll be easy for you, and it'll be easier for them. It's a good thing to do. But he had already set his heart on making it harder for the people. He wanted to be feared, not liked. He wanted to control, not release. So he goes to his friends, the young men, and he goes, what do you think I should do? And they go, no, make it harder for him. 
Make it harder for them. Then they'll fear you. Then you'll be powerful. Look at the nations around will be like, look at how strong he is. So he disregards the wisdom of the old men. He listens to the young man who told him what he had already decided in his heart to do. He makes it harder. But the people rebel like the old men had said they would. And he ends up not being the king anymore. It's the, the, the result is the exact opposite of the worldly wisdom that he sought. And the worldly wisdom agreed with what he already wanted to do. Listen to the old guys. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there is, there is if, you're un, if you're younger, I'm going to put an age on it. If you're younger, you need older people in your life. If you only ask your friends, you're insane. And you're destined, to, you're destined to go around some of the same mountains and have to relive some of the same pain that you could have been free of if you actually just listened to people who have been there before. That's what I love about church. Is that literally there's people sitting in this room who have been there before. Who have, who have lived the pain, have seen the victory, have learned the lesson so that you don't have to learn it. But how often do we go... What do you know? Whatever. I'll do it myself. And we end up five years, 10 years, 20 years in the same place and going, oh, man, I didn't have to go through all of that. You get to leapfrog. Young people, it is a blessing. Ask the input of people who are full of the Spirit. If they're not full of the Spirit, don't ask for their wisdom. Just the fruit that it'll produce is not the fruit that you want in your life. If... Uh, when we're honest, when we're real, when we put into practice this stuff in our lives, we will see a harvest of righteousness. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The cry of my heart is not just that we would respond because I preach something, but we would respond because we want to see a harvest of righteousness. Because there's people who are desperate and broken and hurting, and they can be set free by Jesus. They don't have to live in that place. You don't have to live in that place. You can be set free and healed. You don't have to go around that same mountain again. And I want to implore you this morning to ask the Spirit to fill you, to ask the Lord for wisdom. And to ask others around you who are full of the Spirit, and if you don't know who they are, come and talk to me or come and talk to Deej or yeah, just ask us. And we'll point you in the right direction. Because your question might be something that I actually have no wisdom in. I can pray that God would give me insight. But actually there might be people in this room who have some real specific wisdom in that area. Ask for input and then listen. Don't be Rehoboam. We stand together. God wants to change the fruit that comes out of our mouth. Can we respond to him this morning? So if you've recognized, as I've been speaking, then maybe you have a, 
tongue issue. Maybe you don't want to, but what comes out of your mouth, the response, the jokes, don't honor Jesus the way we want it to. I find this uber, uber difficult at times. Because I get the, I'm starting to preach again, sorry. But I'm going to tell you anyways. I, I love coaching my kids' soccer team. But I, like, soccer is infuriating. And referees are infuriating. And other coaches are infuriating. And I have to remind myself often, Matt, you lead a church. <laughs> and you're in the church's league. They all know you lead a church. I'm preaching to myself this morning. And like, there has been times I've had to go over to other coaches and been like, I'm sorry. Good game. Humility. God cleanse me. So let's respond to him this morning. If he's showing you that, God, cleanse me. God, change me. God, would you fill me with your spirit again? And Lord, that's our prayer this morning. That we would be full of your spirit and that the overflow of our hearts, what comes out of our mouths, would be rivers of living water for the healing of the nations, for the the setting free of the captives, for the restoring of the broken. And give us wisdom, we ask. Give us insight into those areas that are holding us back, are hindering us. And empower us to change, to be set free, to become more like you. We thank you, Lord. We respond to you. I want to challenge you this morning. Before you leave... God's showing you something, because I believe he is. He'll be speaking to you, and, you, and I, I believe there's little areas you just go, wow, yep, that's, I need, that's me. Write it down. Ask God to bring freedom. Cross it out. And let's move forward. If you need to ask for wisdom, ask the Lord for wisdom, and write down what he says. Ask others around you. Ask your discipleship group leader. Ask one of the new deacons. Put them to the test on this first day of them being deacons and see. Just joking. But do ask them. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We honor you in this place. Lord, truly the cry of our hearts is that our lives would honor you. That we would be people who bring you glory. And so where we recognize those things in our hearts and in our lives that don't bring you glory. Lord, we ask, would you help us to be free? Would you help us to become more like you? To be a people whose faith is mature and whose lives produce the fruit of being in your presence and sitting at your feet. So we bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.